SIPC is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. We're so thrilled to have Uchechi Ezerike Bose on today's episode of the Thrive Podcast. Uchechi is a business and lifestyle strategist, wholesale expert, author, and TV producer and host. Uchechi is the founder of My Empowered Living, where she is committed to helping entrepreneurs increase their wealth and confidence by offering her expertise and proven strategies. Through her work, Uchechi has earned the title of Dream Whisperer by her clients. Uchechi is also the founder of Bossarike, the wholesale and retail consulting agency showing others how to make more impact and increase their sales by getting their products into stores and going wholesale. Uchechi is the author of two best-selling books, From Aspiration to Fulfillment, Bridging the Gap from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be, as well as her second title, Business Success Blueprint, a step-by-step -step process to creating a profitable business you love. In addition, Uchechi has created Dream Life Designer Planners, a planner that acts as a personal and accountability coach. In today's show, we will talk to Uchechi about how she has empowered herself so she can empower others in their businesses, as well as steps for success as a product-based business. Welcome to the show, Uchechi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
I love your story <laughs> and I love your uh, passion for what you do and what you've created. And I'd love to know what got you going. How did you start down this entrepreneurial path? Oh, wow. Um, I think for me, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, even to the fact that when I was like, I don't even think I was 13, 14 years old, um, we had, we, there was this book called the babysitters club and my sisters and I like, we used to read it all the time and we actually created like a jam. I love, are you serious? (laughs) Right. Bringing it to Netflix actually. Oh, I'm so excited. I heard about that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like we literally started because in the book, there's one time where they actually had a kit and we wrote in and we created our own babysitters club. We did flyers. I, I think I was even 12 or 13 at the time. So we had our own like babysitters club where the, the neighbors would call my sister and some of our neighbors around. And we used to like babysit for the kids around. So that was sort of like my first gig at the entrepreneurial journey. Um, but my biggest one I did, you know, back in 2007, like my sister and I, um, I, we opened up a wellness center. So it was like 3000 square feet. It was um, in Toronto. It was called Elite Spa Fitness and Therapy. And we had like a yoga studio, therapy clinic. Um, we had a spa within it and fitness studio. And we had different alternative health care practitioners um, that we had within our, in our clinic as well. And so this is something my sister and I formed. And it's something that, again, going from Babysitter's Club to after university, and we both put this together. I was more the business side and my sister was very hands-on. Um, and so we grew it. Unfortunately, you know, during that time when we opened, it was at 2007, 2008, uh, which was the biggest recession that like my generation has ever seen. So, you know, it, there was a lot of, um, it was a lot of hardship going through that. And when I left my, I had a full-time career where I was like seen as the rising star and I left there and I, you know, went into entrepreneurship full-time and I actually had to, there was one point where after two years, I actually went back to my full-time job. So that way I could sustain the business, sustain my living. Cause I also had a condo, um, you know, that I also owned as well. So, but as, as the time progressed and we started to grow and we actually, it became really profitable for us. We actually became a few clinic that the department of national defense sent, um, you know, our men and women in uniform to. So it really started to grow for us. And from there though, but that was, um, when I started the business, there was always transition, right? And I always say it's about what are the goals at that time? And it was before I had kids. It was before I met my husband and I lived like eight minutes away. Um, I actually ended up moving to Whitby, which was about 45 minutes away. And when I started to transition out of it, we actually sold the, uh, sold the wellness center. And during that time, I actually started my coaching certification because something that I identified was where we had great practitioners that work within us, whether it's the yoga instructor, the RMT, the homeopath, um, the personal trainer, they were so great at their task, but I always found that the business side they lacked. And whether in the school that a lot of, and a lot of them, like they work between two to three clinics to make ends living, uh, make ends meet for them. And so I started to see the pattern of where if they had the business skills, they could actually be able to be more successful. And so I got my coaching certification and then I started working with business owners to help them to get more of that business training and really understand what is it that it takes for them to really grow their business. And that's when, um, after we sold the location, I, I, and also I quit my full-time job because then I, I actually transitioned. Right. So I, at one point I still had my full-time job. I was, you know, building my coaching practice. 
And right before we sold the, uh, the location at one point, I was juggling all three. And then so after that, I was able to really go full time into my coaching um, career. And even from that, I was able to see different opportunities, whether it's online training um, that I could do for my clients one on one. And then, you know, the the planners came into into play as well. I started to create that as a way to help um, people who may not be able to invest in coaching. Um, and that took a life of its own. So I was able to now find that niche in a sense of really transition from that home location to see, okay, I've got that under my belt. How can I help practitioners and then extend it to just different um, businesses in terms of how it is that they're able to grow their business. And, um, my other, like recently last year, I launched Bazarike and that actually came from working for just product-based businesses because in my past corporate role, I was a senior category buyer at a large um, Canadian retail store, right? So when people wanted to bring their product into the stores, it was me that made that decision for my categories across the country, across all the banners. And so, you know, I leveraged that because I had a lot of people who knew my background that kept asking for information and asking me for one-off sessions. And I felt that it was a time that I was able to branch that off of its own because there's a lot of different offerings that I can do if I did that business as a standalone. And then, so that's why now between my time working with um, my product-based businesses under Bazarike to growing um, also my empowered living. So there was just different transitions and different opportunities that I took. And it was always like, what made sense for me at, the, uh, at, at any given time. That's fantastic. And what a journey and what a story. I am so curious about that transition for you from being full-time work, taking that first leap and going all in and having the recession hit and then going back to work. You shared a little bit, but tell us yeah. the difference in between your mindset of that first time you left the full-time opportunity that you had and then how it supported you as you were building the business the second time around. What did you learn in between there? Yeah. I mean, I think for both was a different mindset. Like when I left the first time there was no kids, I didn't meet my husband. So, you know, it was my mid to late twenties and I was just very hungry. And I just, one of those things where I wanted to do this. So there was less, in a sense, it was less risky. And I'm one of those people where when, when I left that business, when I left the company in myself, there was more of a risk, not doing it and thinking what could happen, what could have been if I had done this with my sister versus staying in something that I knew that I would grow in and that was comfortable. So it was, there was less of a risk and I just did it right. Like, you know, we, I wrote a business plan. We got a, this uh, uh, loan from B, uh, from BDC and literally was just enough to open the doors and we just went right. And then it hit. And then, so there was a lot of learning where, you know what, I, I had to eat the humble pie. And there was definitely that lesson in there where you, at certain times in your business journey, it is okay to go back and have, have something to have something to sustain you. Um, it is okay. Like you have to, you know, you have to be vulnerable and say that this is where you're at and not try to put on some mask, some persona of what you want other people to think that, you know, that, that they think that you are. So it is okay to go back and do what makes sense for you. So there was definitely, um, that learning in there where being vulnerable, doing what you need to do. And, and it, and it takes great strength to do that. And, uh, and, and even for the second time when, you know, for me, the second time I actually went, uh, left full-time completely was back in 2015. And, and, and at that time, because I was married and I had kids, I really had to be more strategic. I was building. And at one point I, I, I was commuting almost two hours one way 
to my full-time job because I had moved to the other end of the city. I was building up my coaching practice and then we had sold the location at that time, but I had to be strategic in the sense of, you know, we were, we were planning our family. So I made sure that, because obviously as entrepreneurs, we don't get maternity leave coverage, right? Uh, most of us. And so I, I ensured that I had that covered and I started to build my coaching practice. So that way, when I left full-time, I wasn't starting at zero. I had something coming in and that was so important for me because now I had more of a risk. I had two kids. I had my husband. We had a home, a bigger home that we needed to, that I needed to contribute to, contribute to. So it was really important for me to have that steps in place. It wasn't just me anymore where I took a big risk. I was more, um, conservative, but I made sure that I still had the vision of my dreams, what I wanted to achieve, but I made sure I put the plans in place. So I wasn't, it wasn't this feast or famine all the time that I was able to have some kind of something coming in that I can start from. So that second piece, I was more in the intention of making sure I had something and really transitioning um, fully at that time and making sure that I had my needs covered and growing from there. So what advice would you have to someone who is, you know, building up their side hustle, considering taking that leap? How would you suggest to them to know that it's the right time to jump ship? Um, What should they be looking for? What should they be considering? How do they strategize at that point? Yeah, for me, I mean, people have asked me this question and I always tell them too, is where, what is your minimum that you can live from, right? And start to I would say crawl, walk, run, crawl, walk, run is approach I use for my clients. I've used for myself. And then it's like, we're okay. So if let's say, and just to keep the math simple, let's say you make $5,000 a month, right? I mean, $5,000 a month from your, from your full-time job. And you know what? Maybe $2,500, it might be tight, but at least you can, you can start working from home. And maybe you don't, because of that, you don't need childcare. What else can you reduce? And then how can you start to build your business? Even if it means you spend 30% of your time or weekends, this is what you're working on to build, to get out there and build your business. And then when you get to a point where consistently you're making anywhere from 15 to 2,500, okay, maybe that's an opportunity to really now you have that confidence to say you have something coming in. You can go from there. I totally believe that there's some people that can just jump right out and do it. I, I honestly believe that. But you have to have the right mindset. You have to not jump in there and all of a sudden the bills are coming in. And then you get into that scarcity lack mindset. That well, What that does is just going to bring you down. But if you're somebody who has that mentality where you see yourself and you hold that vision and you have that identity and, you, and you're living from that place, you can make that work much, much faster. But what I find with most people is if they're in that place, it's the lack is their scarcity mindset that tends to take over. And from that place, that's when I would suggest, you know what, make sure you have something coming in, find out what that number looks like for for you, start to work from that part-time in your business, and then you'll have more confidence because that feast or famine is not there and you're able to show up in your business in a better way and not from desperation. So it's about, finding a way to maintain a solid mindset and make sure that your minimum basic needs are covered. So when you take that leap, the risk is manageable. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not in that place of, Oh my God, I need money. I need money because that is the worst place to work from. And all it does is just bring your, your business backwards. It just doesn't work. So I've always been curious about what it's like to be a coach. How did you decide that this was you you had shared that you were talking to a lot of people in the wellness studio who were going from studio to studio and needed support on the business side. But when you were looking at certifications and different programs for you to pursue to become a coach, how did you land on the training you chose and how did you know that you could do this? You could bring people up uh, through their businesses through being a coach. Yeah. 
Um, for me, there was, uh, there was a master coach that I had worked with in the past that I've taken some programs. And so it was easy for me to go with his because he had a certification that he did, but it was more on the life coaching, personal development. But I know for me personally, I, I, I missed the business side and I felt like I had something else that I can contribute to it where, you know, for my coaching, um, for my coaching business, a lot of my clients, we do a lot of the things where the strategy work is so important, but it goes hand in hand with the mindset piece. But also at the end of the day, too, or also in conjunction with it, I work with a lot of them where we do sales target like every month, like every year. Like we have what are where is their goals? What area of their business is going to hit there? What what do we need to be able to hit those numbers and what are the activities that we need to do that will support this targets that we had. I knew I was confident I can do because that's what I did in my full-time job before, right? It was like really about numbers, but combining that personal development, life coaching certification, where really, because at the end of the day, it's dealing with that resistance is dealing with the mindset is dealing with all that limiting beliefs that most people have that keeps them stuck having those tools that I can come in, I can work, I can do in combination with my strategic experience has really helped me move forward and really gave me that niche or sort of that specialty that I'm able to bring to my clients. And so when you're looking at say a broad, um, say you are coaching your clients and they are stuck on the mindset around numbers and business, and they have those limiting beliefs that this isn't something I'm good at. This isn't mm-hmm. something I can get a handle on. Um, and I don't know where to start. How do I, I have my product. I have my passion. I have the creative aspect of my business figured out the, the, the what, but now mm-hmm. I need to figure out the how, what steps do you suggest uh, for them to begin moving forward and start diving into the numbers and getting those sales? Yeah. So for me, there's two things with that question in the sense of, you know, once to know the what I always say the what is so important because the what will show you the how, like when you know the what the how will show up for you. It really always does. And then two is really clarity is the bottom line thing. It's one of the things I always give advice to entrepreneurs in terms of you got to have clarity on your business, right? So once you have that sense of what's your product or service, what's your business, what is your unique selling proposition? What do you, how do you, how does your business serve? What is it that you're doing and how, what's your business model? And especially people who I come across that they're so passionate about it. I'm like, okay, what's your business model? What's the viability? What's the competition? Like, you know, what are the demand for that, your particular product that you have? And then the other clarity comes from then understanding who are those customers that you're trying to target for your products, right? Who are they? And it's, it goes way beyond if they're male or female and their income status. Those are important, but okay. So what do they need? What, where are they? What, you know, what, what is going on in their head? What are the psychology of those people? Because once you bridge that gap in terms of knowing who they are, with, uh, who they are, where they're at, some of the struggles that they have, you know, what issues do they have? from your, you know, from your industry, even from your products and services, then you're able to now tailor your products, your business to them, whatever they're talking about, about your business or just how they're even wording certain things, take that and use that in your marketing copy, because then it makes sense. You're now able to connect with, now you're able to connect with them. And I would say when you listen in on customer, it gives you clue. It tells you what it is that you need to do. And even from, so that way, now you know how to get them. But then in terms of, let's say, with your numbers, how do you achieve those numbers? So now that you have it, so as an example, I always have like your annual sales target, right? And then if, if you have different areas of your business, now that it's broken down, then to me, it's understanding, okay, so with those sales target that you have, 
how much people do you need to come into those workshop or as a one-on-one client or who, who, how many people has to buy that product in order to, to hit that goal? What areas are you now going to market, whether it's Facebook marketing, but all those are answered because you now have gotten so clear on where your customers are, who they are, how do you speak to them? What words are they using to describe their wants and needs? Because you're clear on that, you're able to bridge that gap and then your communication is going to be much more clear to them. Fantastic. And I know mm. that a lot of our listeners and, and live in this digital world of Instagram mm. marketing and online mm. marketing, content marketing, where we're seeing a lot of courses um, and d- these sorts of products, but you're helping people in retail, like with physical mm-hmm. products, yeah. um, understand wholesale and get into the market in a more uh, influential way. Can you share a little bit about your process with that and why you see this as so valuable? Yeah. I mean, I work with different clients and then, so I specialize in Bosnia for those product-based business owners and you know, the expansion and growth that happens when they get into wholesale is so it's huge, right? Because one account could be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for them because of the amount of units that needed to go into stores and they need to need. And even just for wholesale to me, I, I input Amazon in there as well, because you can go wholesale through Amazon and that just opens like so much doors for you. Like you have access to .ca.com and the Mexico market. Um, but one of the things, the process that is so important is really, you know, what I find with small businesses and when they start to speak to me, they don't realize what large businesses are doing with retailers to succeed. So as an example, a lot of them, a lot of the large businesses, they're meeting with retailers every week, telling them different promotional opportunities that they can do within the stores to grow. The What I found with a lot of small businesses, especially when I was in the buyer role, they get into a large organization and they think they've hit the jackpot and you never hear from them again. And they forget that they are your retail partner. And so what needs to go in your mind is how can I help this store grow their sales using my products? But at the end of the day, that retailer sales needs to grow, but they'll get in and they think it's great and you never hear from them. And what happens, their products doesn't sell, doesn't sell. So they need to understand your product. You're one out of how many people, how many products in stores? I mean, you walk in a, in a grocery store, whether it's food or a drugstore. How many creams are there? How many lotions? How many sauces are in there? How are, is your product going to stand out? from the shopper's perspective, whether it's packaging label or in-store promotions, a lot of them don't think that way. And so it's been really, to me, I really love the fact of bringing that my real life experience, especially working with the larger retailers and larger store, um, larger companies, helping them take those best practices, but bringing it back to their level and saying, you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing. The, the budget may be a little bit slow, lower, but you can do the same thing. So that way you can sell more products within stores and be successful as much as the larger retailer, the larger companies are doing as well. So. You're brilliant. I would just like to say, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually was just chatting with, uh, someone who is in the clothing, uh, as, as a designer and she was sh- uh, sharing how she was working with a large partner, um, and the terms just see, seemed skewed, not in her favor. But this thought process of you are their partner, you are there to help them sell your product. Um, if you increase their sales, your sales will automatically increase. Increase, yeah. Because if you're moving tonnage, they need to replenish their SKUs. So they have to place an, an, another order. And it's funny, interesting, you said that in terms of the terms. like, And this is a thing where I've heard of small businesses getting 
on the hook. Because here's the thing, as a buyer, I'm working to make the terms as attractive and profitable for my retailer. You don't have to agree to that. There's certain things you can come back to um, and to allow me to like, there's certain things you can push back on. And if you have a great product that we want to carry, we're not, depending on what it is in terms of profit, a lot of the times you're not going to say no out of, you know, just for if they said no to something. It's all about negotiations and working together. But I find a lot of businesses, especially when you're starting off and this account may be huge for you, whatever the buyer says, it's almost like they take it on and they think there isn't a conversation. There isn't no pushback, but there is. It's a conversation. It's a partnership. It's a dialogue. It's negotiation. And then do the math to see it, does this make sense for you? Do you make your own, do you make profit as well? Right. So there is a back and forth that can happen. And I find a lot of product based businesses, they think it's one sided and they say, oh, this retailer said this and that's all I, you know, I can go on. No, have that discussion because it is negotiable. The insights you don't know when you're when you're when you feel like a smaller player in the negotiation, uh, it's it's invaluable to have this perspective. So thank you for sharing that with our audience. No problem. So how can what have you found to be in the recent retail experience? Because we know that that's changing so much. Yeah. What are some ways for uh, SMEs to make sure that their products do stand out when they are meeting with retailers and helping them figure out how to better position their products? What are some t- uh, ways right now that are working well? Yeah, I think number one, when they're trying to position their products to stores or even pitch to them, they need to understand how unique their products are. And I think, you know, it's funny because most people with the product, they have this passion and they think it's the best thing on earth. It, you know, I've got the new shea butter, the new cocoa butter, this new product. And they think it's so unique, but they need to step into that. I put on the hat as of a store, of a store owner or of a, of a buyer in the sense of how unique and different is your product, right? And how is it going to add incremental sales to the retailer? Because here's the thing, just like we have sales for our business, but we're trying to grow. So is a retailer. So to them, you know, and it takes a lot of work to set up a new vendor, list the product. There's so much work that is done. So if I'm just trading dollars of what's already there, it may not make sense to me, right? So understand the store, go into the stores. And if, especially if it's a large stores, go into the larger store, take a look at their assortment, right? How is your, pro- your product different? Maybe there's a, a key ingredients that's trending that that's your added benefit, or maybe it's, um, there's a new w- unique way that you process your stuff that makes it healthy or something like that. Right. But understanding how it adds incremental sales. And to give an example, when I, I used to actually do skincare a long time ago, and I remember you know, we, there was one time where we used to have this BB cream and CC cream and discoloration. Like there was so many different creams, but I would bring it in because you know what, when this customer goes in, they're still going to buy their cleanser, toner, moisturizer, all this BB, CC, all these different creams, they're going to try it out on top of their regime. So as a category manager, I'm like, okay, it's going to add incremental sales because these customers are still going to buy their base items that they're buying, they're coming in every week to buy, but maybe they're now they're going to try in this new stuff. Right. And again, kind of like how when Apple, when first app um, tablet first was introduced, when you went in there, if when you used to buy a computer or a phone, you're not, not going to buy your computer or phone because of a tablet, but tablet added incremental sales to the electronics category. So you're still going to buy your computer. You're still going to buy your, um, you're still going to buy your phone, 
But now you're going to try and add incremental sales using the tablet. So it's really understanding how your how to position your product to say it's going to add incremental sales. And if it's not maybe necessarily sales, but if you know you're in a category that this a less profit, maybe your offer to that retailer is, you know what? Yeah, you may sell 100 SKUs and you may sell 100 SKUs for ours like on a day or a weekly basis, but you're going to make more profit. We're going to give you more profit. So at the end of the day, that store is going to have, you know, there's more money to the bank that they're taking, right? So that piece is important, understanding how unique your product is, how different it is from their existing, um, from their existing SKU. And even when you get in, understanding, okay, how does your product stand out? Maybe it's a special in-store promotion. Now you got that sticker. And as a consumer, you're like, oh, you know, I save a dollar off and something that's beside it. I'm going to try that for the week and see how it is. Working with them to say here, this is how I'm going to support my products in your store to ensure that it sells. So it's not just going to be here collecting dust because that's the worst thing that can happen. The last thing you want is to do the work to get your product in only to get delisted. Because here's the thing it's slim to none that you're going to get back into that store if they took the chance to bring you in and they delist you, right? So do your homework, do your research for that retailer, understand their price point, because here's the thing, if you're a premium item and the price point for that store is not premium, it's not going to work. You're not going to be attractive to them. Look, go into the stores. What are the different price points? Ensure it's a match. It's in line with your positioning and then it would make sense to them. So Fantastic. Such insightful and like really valuable insights that you've been providing. Um, So I want to take a bit of a pivot now. And as with any entrepreneurial journey, um, it's hard to do this work. It can be very difficult as we set up our businesses transition. You started your first company during a really tough time in the economy. And I'm wondering what what kind of sustained you in regards to your wellness practices and staying healthy and um, consistent in your work and taking care of the various parts of your life. What have been some things that stand out for you and that really help you today in managing your businesses? Oh my God, that honestly is such a personal question. And it's something that I've started slowly speaking about because sometimes I think it's something that's not um, spoken about in business when we talk about business training and stuff. But number one, I mean, I have young kids. I have a four-year-old. I have an eight-year-old, right? So I really have limitations. I don't take things like my definition of success. is the fact that I get to work from like 10 to 3.30 or so forth because I get to pick my kids up at the bus stop. But I, I have that boundaries in place. I hardly do anything in the evenings unless I am speaking at an event, right? So I put those boundaries in place. In terms of all my wellness, there's like, I love my meditation, but one of the biggest thing that had the biggest catalyst for me for my growth and just for my wellness and just for my uh, mindset has been understanding that everything that I do, my business success, my clients, the money that comes into my business comes from an infinite source. And all I need to do is tap into that infinite source. My definition for that source is God use universe, use infinite intelligence. I always say, I don't care what term you use. I think we fight too much on what that term is. I just know that there is a source that is bigger than me, but works with me. And when things aren't going well, and, I, and, and to be honest, this practice for me and this revelation came to me during those dark moments, especially in 2008, when my, oh my God, like we just, couldn't make ends meet. And it's funny because I always had that belief within me 
But it's so funny because my sister, she she always says, I became a believer in this thing, like this, you know, always surrendering all the stuff that you do because of that. Because there was one time where there was an, there was a story where, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't pay our, our lease. Like, our, like we just, we're still tapped out and it was hard to get money in. And I remember she was freaking out. And I remember saying to her, my sister's name is Oluchi. And I'm like, Oluchi. And I call her Oluchi. I'm like, Luch, just, okay, just stop. Let's just, let us let it go. Let's let's tap in. Let's just give it up. And she's like, "This is no time for this. You're Lulu and all this stuff that you do. There's no time for this." I'm like, "Stop. It is fine. Like, let's let it go." And I forgot what I said to her. And she just stopped and she just kind of calmed down. And I'm like, "We just gotta surrender this. We just gotta surrender this." And literally, like, not even half an hour later, our landlord calls, and we had this discussion with him, and 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 he agreed to not a lot, like that we didn't have to pay our lease for six months. And what he'll do is after that six months, whatever the amount that we owed within that six months, he's going to divide it up into the remaining of our lease to help us catch up. And I remember after that incident, she's like, Oh my God. Like anytime that something happens, she's like, I like, that was one of like her biggest nets. She started to believe in this principle. And for me, Anytime, like, I, like I, I'm so grateful for my clients. I'm so grateful for what I have today. But I understand that if one door closes, I no longer bang on it. I just know. I just say, okay, I surrender this. I'm open to whatever. What's the new thing that's going to come? And I know that it's not. It's happening for me, not to me. What is it that I need to learn? Show me. Show me. I'm surrendering this. And honestly, just for me, for just for my sanity, for my sanity and just for my wholeness has been such a powerful practice. And I continue that to this very day. And it has helped me like just things that come into my life. I, I didn't even market it or do something and it just comes to me. But I know it's because I'm aligned. I'm aligned. I am connected. And again, it doesn't matter what you call it. Just know that there is this power that we can connect to that at any given time that's going to help us with all areas of our lives and of course for our business. So incredible. And I know what you mean with, uh, with your sister in that moment when she's like, this isn't the time for the woo woo. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) moments though, if you can let go of the stress and the tension and, and the things that actually physically, um, can ail you there, you can find a solution and a solution will present itself. And what an incredible thing that that conversation with your landlord that you guys were able to negotiate that. So yeah, it was crazy. Like he literally, he offered that. Like, I didn't even know that would have existed. Like we were just saying, you know what, we're, it's, it's been a tough month and we're just trying to catch up with something. Like we're just trying to tell him what's happening. And he literally offered that. I didn't even know that was, ex- that existed. He offered that to us and it was just incredible. She was just like, wow, like incredible. Show up for your life. A hundred percent. And uh, so for my final question for you, I ask all of our wonderful guests, and that is what advice do you have for women to thrive in their lives and their careers? Mm, I mean, I would say, first of all, they have to define what that thriving is for them. Like that's when we talk about success and everything else, like, what does that look like to me? I like, there's obviously levels that I want to break through and go, but I'm thriving right now because you know what? I get to every opportunity to volunteer in my kid's school. I am there because I get to make my own rules and because of my clients and how I've structured my business. Right. But it's because I had that vision, even when I couldn't 
get there. And it's working from that vision and understanding what that means for us and being clear on that vision that I want and working from that place, right? And working by choice, not allowing the circumstances around us to dictate what we can or cannot do. But I mean, I think that came from really recognizing all my past patterns, all my limiting beliefs that kept me stuck in the past and really working through that, working through that, that belief and even the fear that I have, right? And because they always say two of the biggest fear is a fear of inadequacy, right? Or fear of we're not, we're not good enough. Understanding that I can show up. It doesn't, it's not, I don't need all those clients to feel that worthiness. I can feel worthy first. I can live from that place first. I can choose how I want to be at any given time. And it's being in that place that will allow the other things to, to, to come to our life. So if you want to thrive, be, be thriving in consciousness first. Um, there's a line, I think it's from Michael Bethard that says, you know, we, we cannot have what we're unwilling to be in consciousness. So if you want to thrive in your business, thrive, be in that place now, and you will see opportunities that's going to mirror what you're being and your external world is going to fall into place, but it starts from your consciousness and who you're being. And when you thrive from that place, regardless of external circumstances, that's how you change how you're being or how, or what you get. That's fantastic. And it also, it also allows you to enjoy the process. Absolutely. Trust the process and to be present and not constantly in stress, constantly in worry. Um, because you are satisfied with where you are now today. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, we can only create or do anything in that present moment. And we're as humans, we're always meant to, we're always going to have different goal, but going through that process, enjoying that process. And, 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 and when you thrive beforehand, you do like you're coming from that place and you just feel good. What you're doing feels good. And there's no hustling. There's no other stuff that you need to do. You can just come from that place of thriving of that being, being that first on the inside. Absolutely. And on that note, thank you so much, Uchechi, for being here and for sharing you. all of your wisdom um, with us, uh, both in your uh, business itself, in the wholesaling, and also in your thesis and theories on, on how we live well. So thank you for all of that. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a great time. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space, to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive. Thrive.